get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Ah, welcome back to the Balloon Party. I gotta turn my microphone, no, my headphones up. Hey, you know... We kick off the balloon party with absolute randomness. Chris Kerber filling in for Tim McKernan again. Glad to have you with us here on, um, Grant, what day of the week? So we a Tuesday? Hold on. Is this Wednesday? Wednesday? This there's is Wednesday? Reason, there's a reason why on my Apple Watch I have the day and the dates on there because there's about three or four times a day that I have to look at it to make sure. So it is Wednesday. It is. It is Wednesday. So, so that is a good thing. Um, so... News breaking right now as we come on the air from Elliot Friedman that the St. Louis Blues have assigned Oscar Sundquist to a one-year deal. Uh, I have sent a couple text messages out just to confirm it, but I, if, if Elliot Friedman's putting it out there, uh, I'm, I'm going to go and say, yes, it is a done deal. So we'll wait for the official release from the team and and all that. But great news there for the St. Louis Blues. we got a lot of hockey we're going to talk about on this show today. Craig Berube coming up with 10 to 10-15. So we will find out from Craig... Remember, Oscar Sundquist was the player that he always called the head of the snake, his engine, his steam engine. So we're going to find out what uh, what that means for uh, the St. Louis Blues uh, from Craig Berube here at 1015. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we've got uh, at, right after that Craig Berube segment, we're going to break down the Blues forwards group. There are some holes, and the holes may not be exactly where you think they are. Right. There's clearly some holes on the fourth line, but is that it? And then also when it comes to the forwards of all the blues forwards, which one is the most important for the St. Louis blues right now of all the blues forwards, the start of the year, which one is the most important? We'll get into that in the second segment as well. And then in the third segment today, Again, we're going to go heavy blues in those three segments. I got I got some Cardinal stuff coming up here in just a moment. Um, but in the third segment, all right, in my opinion, there has been one thing that has really impacted the St. Louis Blues in a negative way over the last couple of seasons that has impacted, I think, play. It's impacted chemistry. It's impacted roster, right? There's one thing. We'll see if Grant and I are on the same page when it comes to that one thing. That'll be in, in the in the final segment of uh, the Bloom Party today. Tim McKernan is on vacation, so they've called on me to fill in. So we'll kill one hour of airtime. Hopefully you're entertained and, and have some fun. If you saw the All-Star game last night, it was great to finally see the National League win a doggone game. I mean, instead of going 10 straight seasons without winning an, an All-Star game, uh, it was great to see the National League finally win. And it leads you to kind of how it was. I used to live for the Major League Baseball All-Star game. 
It is still, in my opinion, the single best all-star game of all the sports because it is the one that is still closest to the real game. You'll see guys steal bases. You see guys swinging for the fences. You see guys running. You see plays. It's the one sport that doesn't add the physicality to it that uh, makes the potential of getting hurt at an all-star game a real issue, like the National Hockey League, like the NFL. The single worst all-star game that exists, hands down, is the Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, shouldn't even be there. It, it shouldn't even be done. It's a joke. All right. Okay. Then, then the next one, to me, is the NHL all-star game. It used to be better. It used to be great. It's now become, like, I, I, I didn't think it was watchable. Uh, this but like three on three with guys not skating uh, isn't is not entertaining to me. Uh, that 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 one they they can revamp and fix that thing uh, in a big way. Uh, the NBA like I used to watch the NBA one a lot more. One of my all time favorite moments was when I think uh, I think it was Magic bringing the ball down and went one on one with Michael Jordan. Right, so so you had you had some great moments there. Right, but 160 to 150 isn't an entertaining game. So the, throw the NBA out as well. But Major League Baseball. Now, having said that, they've got the best All Star game of the bunch. I can't believe how easy it is for Major League Baseball to screw it up. Go back to Bud Selig making it count, trying to add flavor to it. Okay, that didn't work out. That's coming off of a game where you decided to go in a tie. But I said this at the very beginning of the show yesterday, and did you see social media run with it last night? The uniform sucked. Like what? I mean, I I, I got to assume that the design for those uniforms, they went out to some kindergarten class in Seattle and said, everybody grab a construction sheet of paper and draw what you think are going to be great-looking uniforms. They're awful, right? And everybody wants the same thing. Put the players back in their own home team's uniforms when they play. Because here's the thing. There was a player getting interviewed last night. I didn't know who he was. Fair enough. Should I have? Maybe. I don't know. But I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who he was. He didn't have his hat on, so I didn't know what team he played for. There was no way of knowing. Right? So fix the uniform. Like, like, like sometimes leagues overthink things so much. All right, so that's 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 my take. The All-Star game is great. Now, you continue to see the former Cardinals step up for All-Stars, what they're doing, pitchers, outfielders. I mean, the whole the whole gamut. Who would have okay? thought that going into that game? Well, I think a lot of people kind of saw it coming at, at one point in time. <laughs> But it, but it led me to, to to thinking about this when you're when you're looking at the St. Louis Cardinals in the, in the midway point of the season, and a, a great interview with Martin Kilcoyne, our partners over at Fox Two, uh, with, with John Mozalak yesterday. But when you look at it, Grant and and folks out there, there is one word that summarizes where the Cardinals are. It's evaluation. Now I'm gonna when I say this. When I, when I say this, please understand that I am not anti-analytic. It seems to be almost like the political world, that if you say something that doesn't support the analytic approach, that you're anti-using analytics. Uh-uh, that's not the case. I think there's great value in it, okay? But here's the one thing I know, and this doesn't matter whether you are in baseball, whether you are in an accounting office, whether you're running a radio station like you are here. Two 
much information leads to bad decisions. It's really that simple. It starts to cloud. It starts to jumble. It starts to make you doubt your stuff. You then start to make the decisions based solely on the numbers, not your experience, not what you know, and then you end up making mistakes. I've seen it happen in our organization with the Blues. I've seen it happen. You're seeing it happen with the Cardinals. Even I, I may get in trouble for this one. You go back to where when 101 ESPN came on the air, they did market research. This is what I was told. They did market research that said nobody wants to hear you talking blues hockey. So I would, at the time, we'd call, we'd go, how come, how come we don't hear more blues on this all-sports station? And it was because we did our market research. They wanted to talk. Now, the Rams are in town. Now, clearly, between the Cardinals and the Rams, the blues were at a distant third. No, no arguments there. No, they want to hear us talking Cardinals. They want to hear us talking Rams. Uh, they want to hear more NFL and stuff. And then distance, it's the blues. Well, here it is all this time later, right? The blues are the number one property. We talk hockey all the time. The ratings are fantastic. Right. So what happened? Did the market really change that much? Yeah, the market changed when the Blues won the Cup. But did it really? Like, no, they just didn't do it. They didn't deliver that. Because when we were talking plenty of hockey on other stations, we were getting some good numbers and we were getting great responses. Okay, that's the same kind of thing. When you have an analytic manager, your front office has gone analytics, and you give them more options than they need, they screw things up. All right. So when people right now are saying, well, I don't know. You, you can't really blame Ali Marmol. It's the roster. Really? Okay. When I see teams constantly making mental errors, that comes down to either having bad players or you're not prepared properly. That's on the manager. How anybody can sit here and say that you have the right manager, they're nuts. But at the same time, you almost can say you can't say that you don't have the right manager. Here's the one thing I do know. When the pressure was at its highest, Game one of the playoffs last year, it was one of the most egregious managerial moments I think I've ever seen. Right? That creates doubt in me about the manager. Then you go to the players. All right? We heard John Mosaylock on his interview yesterday talk about, you know, thinking that it was Bader and O'Neill that were going to be better, you know, than Garcia and Rosa Arena. Oops, okay, they did it. They got it wrong. That's, that's going to happen. But then there's a whole list of other ones they got wrong. And then there's a whole list of decisions that end up coming out of that. You sign Wilson Contreras. That shouldn't have been a but. And then you then you railroad him and say that we're going to take him out from behind the plate. The public relations nightmare of this season is all there. This all snowballs because you have too much options. You have too many options, too many, too many things to think about. I knew the Cardinal season was going to go in a way that people didn't want at the moment. They put the young back in the lineup. Why? Because you're asking for something different than the last three years. Yeah, he came up last year from being down in the minors. He had a splash, and then he drifted back again. But it wasn't so much about the young as it was, now what are you going to do with Tommy Edmond? Should be a shortstop. Okay? So right now you've got Edmond that goes to the ballpark, doesn't know what his job is. You've got an entire outfield that goes to the ballpark, never knowing if they're going to play, what position they're going to play, or if they are going to play. You've got Donovan that goes to the ballpark, doesn't necessarily know what position he's going to play or where he's going to play. And when you've got young guys that don't know that, it makes it harder for those young guys to perform well on a consistent basis. And they've got some that are performing well, right? But it's knowing your role. And then when you think that everybody is interchangeable, that's not how it works. That's not how sports works. The Blues thought that a lot last year, 
and they couldn't find a top six forward, and they missed the playoffs in a bad way. It's the same thing you're seeing with the Cardinals right now. Too many options. You're giving analytic people too much detail, and no one's actually really probably using their head the right way and trusting what years of experience tells them. We'll get into that more a little later on. We'll take a break. We're going to flip it over. Some of this relates to some questions for Craig Berube. We'll ask him next here on the Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, welcome back into the Balloon Party. Chris Kerber in filling in for Tim McKernan. Glad to have you with us. Blues head coach Craig Berube joining us uh, here on uh, the guest line. Glad to have him uh, join us. Craig, thanks for uh, letting us really bother you during what has probably finally become your offseason. So I apologize, but I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> no problem, Curbs. Glad to be on with you, buddy. Craig, I just got done talking for a couple of moments about the Cardinals from a way of, of – and, and I said, I said, j- just because I say something that might be not in full favor of an analytic approach to either roster decisions or play, doesn't mean I'm anti-analytics. Well, what I what I've grown to believe watching enough sports is too much on the analytics side can cloud thought processes, ideas, maybe make you doubt something you've known or felt as a manager or a coach and seen, and 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 kind of can almost jumble the process at the same time and not necessarily always be helpful. How have you learned to balance the analytic side of the sports now that you're managing along with what you just know as a coach and managing people? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I think you did, I think analytics are important. I think they're useful, but I don't think they're the end to be all. I mean, in the end, you got to coach with your brain and your gut. And you gotta, you know, you know, you, as a coach, you've been around, you know, long enough to know situations and and things that come up and how you handle them and this and that. I think and your gut are still really important, you know, aspects when it comes to coaching. Now, analytics, they're there every day for us, uh, whether they're uh, on our own team or the opponent's team. We look at them, we we, we go through it all, we talk about it. Um, and some of it's real good, useful stuff. But in the end, you know, the most important thing is your gut, your feel, and what you know as a coach, you know, uh, you know you've know, seen enough, you know, you know, situations and how you handle them and what you're going to do. And again, I, my, gut, my gut is the most important thing as a coach. Okay, maybe a fair or unfair question, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Have you ever... Have you gone with your gut and said, ah, maybe I should have gone with the numbers or vice versa said, man, I'm glad I went with my gut versus the numbers in a certain spot? Well, yeah, I think it's probably both. Um, I think there's obviously, you know, as a coach, as a player, you make mistakes, you know, things don't go the right way. Don't second guess yourself. I don't believe that. I mean, I think uh, at the time you make a decision, maybe the wrong one, it didn't work out. Um, I think that you don't second guess yourself. I really don't. I don't believe that. Have you had a chance uh, and enough time passed to kind of put a bow on last season and where you felt things didn't go the way you wanted them to go? Yeah, for sure. I think we've had enough meetings, um, you know, with every everything, everybody, management, coaches, players. 
I mean, we obviously didn't perform at a high enough standards defensively throughout the season to, to um, you know, hold the fort at times. I think, you know, we, we've we always been able to score goals and it, it didn't come as easy, easy last year as it, the years before. Uh, but our defensive game slipped. Our penalty killing slipped. And that's what really hurt us in the end. Um, we just... We didn't. We weren't sound enough in those two areas to hold the fort a lot of nights and win close games. Um, and that's going into next year. We got to make sure that our PK and our defensive play is, you know, top notch right away. That can, you know, give you that support that you need throughout the season when maybe you're not scoring enough goals um, at the, at the time. Your power play is not clicking at a high enough level. But our defensive game is good. Our penalty killing is good. And it can hold the fort and win you hockey games. I think that really is really an important area of the game. How much of that was the commitment of forwards to play at times with a defensive-minded approach or overall awareness approach as much as it is the players with the actual name defenseman as their position? Well, I think the forwards are a big part of it. You know, you need everybody on the ice to do the job defensively. It's not just the D. It, you know, too much, in my opinion, was put on the defense core, and that's not fair. Um, you know, the forwards are just as much to blame. They're just as much to, you know, that they have to help out. It's all it's on all of us. It's not on one area, you know what I mean? Yep. On the coaches and the players. And we got to do a better job next year. We didn't do a good enough job. And like I said, if you don't play good defense, and I'm not, I'm not talking about not trying to to score goals or anything like that. You know, just check, check, and good things happen the other way when you check. And we got to do a better job of that, of the checking side of things. And that's that's really a team commitment, and it's selflessness. You know, that when you play good defense and do them little things. Um, that are needed. Uh, you're being a selfless hockey team. As a hockey team, you have success most of the time. What uh, will the acquisition of Kevin Hayes mean for some of your options as a f- uh, in, when you put together the forward groups? Yeah. Well, it just gives us depth down the middle, and he's a veteran guy that's been around. Um, I go back to the New York days when I coached against him. He was a good player. Uh, to you know, he played. I thought he played 200 feet back, killing penalties. I remember. So he's a type of that. I'm, I'm not sure yet where he's fitting in or where we're going to use him. Um, like with who and how that'll work. But he's a veteran guy that's. Um, personality. He's great in the locker room, which is important. We need a locker room, guys, and he's going to help our locker room out. As you move into this offseason and towards the next year, well, where's your mind right now in terms of where and how you were using Pavel Butchnevich at center versus on the yeah. wing? Did you see enough uh, to still want to go that route? Did he feel comfortable enough, or do you really like him back on the wing if you, if you had your druthers? Yeah, it's a, I think he can. I think he's a winger. Like I think he can play center. He he did a good job. I know faceoffs weren't great, but that takes some time. 
but defensively and you know making plays in the middle of the ice, I thought he was pretty good. Now I think there's always options there. Like using them last year shows that we have options. But adding Hayes, I think. As we, uh, uh, as uh, kind of along those same lines, Craig, and I sorry, apologize because we lost you there for just a moment, so I cut off. So I jumped in early oh, on you. Sorry. sorry, sorry about that. But um, the forward group coming together, and you talked about the locker room side of it. Kevin Hayes did an interview recently where he talked about one of the important things he feels that is really important to winning is is team personality. Is is finding a personality and that center point for your team an important focus as you head into training camp? Yeah, can you repeat that question, Curbs? Because you kind of cut out a little bit. Yeah. I just just want to make sure I heard it properly. Yeah, Kevin Hayes was doing an interview after the Blues sign. I'm talking about the importance of personality uh, to a team and how important that is uh, to a to a winning attitude. And 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 my question to you is more: How important to you is? Uh, helping this team find that personality and it's kind of its center along that front as, as you get into training camp. Yeah, no, I think it's really important. Like I said, I think, you know, having people in a locker room that are opinionated and that uh, voice their opinion, that, that keep the locker room a little loose at times, they have a good feel for the locker room. And then you find that camaraderie in your locker room. And there's always banter going on in between periods. There's talk, there's this, there's that. That's a real important part of the game. Very important part of the game. I think Kevin Hayes brings that to our team. Are you more comfortable as a coach having a captain or are you comfortable with almost the leadership by committee, which some teams have utilized? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think, you know, I'm, I'll be, I've, I'll be, I'm used to a captain for sure because I've had captains, but um, you know, I think that right now it's by committee, you know, in my opinion, but that's something still to, to, we're going to discuss and uh, make a decision on. So I don't, I don't, I don't really have a good comment on it right now. We've had, uh, you know, Sammy Blake came back motivated, had a really good uh, second half of the season after the Blues reacquired him from New York. If a player like Oscar Sundquist returns to the fold, uh, and we'll know about that momentarily, what, what would a player like Oscar mean in terms of either that personality, that uh, the confidence that you have in a coach, a player that can be used in, in all different areas mean to you? Oh, a lot. I mean, Sonny's been a real good player for us. He Obviously, he had some injuries with his knee um, that took some time to recover from. But he's feeling good. His knees are feeling good. So I'm excited to have the guy back. I really enjoyed coaching him. He brings a personality. brings that gamesmanship on the ice. He plays a hard game every night, which is important. Uh, he leads the way that way. So Oscar's a very well-liked guy on our team with, our, with the players. Uh, coaches, management, so we're excited. Last thing for you, did, what, what were your thoughts after prospect camped on on some of the the players, especially uh, the young uh, player of the first, uh, the, well, the top ten pick the Blues had in Dvorsky? Well, the Blues have some great young players coming, that's for sure. Bolduke and Snuggaroo, you know, as a start, they've been, you know, they're a little bit older. They've been drafted a few years ago, but Dvorsky and some of the other guys they got this year, they had a great draft. You know, this Dvorsky, he looked like a real player. Uh, Two-way, strong on the puck, big. 
you know. So it's exciting to see the future here um, at Development Camp, and uh, the organization should be very excited for the future. Craig, thanks for letting us bug you while I'm filling in here this week. I appreciate it a ton, uh, and hopefully you get a chance to breathe, relax with the family in Philadelphia, maybe travel on your own a little bit, but uh, have a great uh, few weeks of an offseason. We'll see you back in town soon. Yeah, you too, Kerbs. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, bud. All right. Thanks, Craig. We'll talk to you in a bit. Thank you very much. It's Blues head coach Craig Berube joining us here on uh, the Balloon Party uh, 101 ESPN. I, he said a lot in there. Did he? I mean, he he said he gave you some real good ideas. Like, it, we'll talk about the forwards when we come back. I put some potential lines together. Where are the holes as the forwards? If you look at it from a forward standpoint, and yes, now I'm going to take my pen out during this break and I'm going to add Oscar Sundquist into it. Okay, because I'm going to go with what Elliot Friedman said there. All right, I'll be back in a moment. So we're we're digging into the forward lines. Who is on your top line? If you want to text it into us, you can. 399-9646 on the Air Comfort Service text line. We got the chat room open on the YouTube channel at at 101 ESPN STL. Who is on your top line? Who's in your top six? Who's your fourth line? Put your forwards together. We'll see what we come up with when we come back here in a moment. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, I think the forwards are a big part of it. You know, you need everybody on the ice to do the job defensively. It's not just the D. You know, too much, in my opinion, was put on the defense core, and that's not fair. Um, You know, the forwards are just as much to blame. They're just as much to, you know, that they have to help out. That is something we just got done talking to Craig Berube in the last segment. If you missed it, you can pick it up on the podcast a little later on. Podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. But the... That's something that we said pretty much throughout the entire season. When you were looking at the defensive core for the St. Louis Blues, and you're like, this isn't going right. Justin Falk is a much better defenseman than, than he looks. Nick Letty is a better defenseman than what we see. Colton Pareko, Tori Krug, they're all better defensemen from a top-four standpoint than, than what we're seeing. It was as much about how the forwards played. And... And that is the one of the big keys that they will be working on right from the start is is a, how are you going to play as a group defensively? When you don't have Ryan O'Reilly, you don't have Vladimir Tarasenko, you don't have David Perron now. I mean, you won't for the second year in a row, obviously. Your, your offense isn't going to quite be the same. And so you've got to find a way to win some of those close games, 3-2, 2-1, To do that, you've just got to play better defensively as an entire team. That's pretty much what Craig Berube was saying that. All right, time to get into the forwards. Before I do that, real quick, if you're a soccer fan, this is a big night. This is a fun night. You're going to get home, 
you can crack open a beer, you can pour yourself a bourbon, coffee, soda, whatever it is you drink. You sit down, you got the U.S. men's national team playing against Panama in the semifinals of the Gold Cup. That's going to be a tough game. Panama has been on fire. The United States, they're not playing their A team. All right, so it's going to be a bit of a tough game. But you go right from that, and then you flip on uh, Apple TV, and you've got the MLS game, and you've got uh, City SC out against LA. Hopefully Leuven's back uh, in the lineup tonight, as we heard Bradley Carnell talking about that being an opportunity. So uh, opportunity for four wins in a row for City SC. When you're, you're, you're getting close to the point where you're not talking about a team that could make the playoffs. You're, you're talking about a team that's going to. And uh, and hopefully they continue that run. Beat the teams you should and get some of these guys back. And I still can't wait for Klaus to finally get back in that lineup. Hopefully that happens uh, here at some point in time and they get that injury situation figured out. All right, back to the Blues. All right, so Grant, I, I looked at the forwards. Where do you, like, where do you see the biggest hole from a forward standpoint? From a forward standpoint, I'd probably say they've lost a lot of size over the past few years. Where's the biggest hole? One spot. One spot. One spot. One position. I think they're missing... I'd say they're missing one of the top six that can really play good defense. One spot. One position. Mm. Okay, let me give you what I'm looking for. Are you talking center on the fourth line? Right wing on the third line, center on the second line. Gotcha. Where's the hole? I would say, I would say probably. That was the chair, by the way. <laughs> that creak. You can hear the creak. Hey, listen. Okay, wait a minute. You cannot have, you cannot have squeaky chairs in a radio station. It just sounds like something else. All right, All right. Where's your spot? You know what? I'd say it was center depth. But now you got Oscar Sunquist, and it's really filling out the lineup because you have it's a left solid wing on the top line. Left wing on the top it's left line. Left wing on the top line. Center depth is a problem. We'll get into that in just a second. But it's left wing on the top line, and ironically, it's the same doggone spot that was there last year. Right? If you think about it, the one spot they could not fill all of last season was who fills David Perron's slot, right? Yeah. You tried everybody. You tried Jake Neighbors. You tried, and you tried anybody and everybody you could, and you never found it. All right? So I'm going to go forward with this one standpoint. For the Blues to be, a, in my opinion, a playoff team, that could be anywhere from a top three in your division to a wild card. For them to be a playoff team, which means you're going to have to play at a clip at around 10 games over 500, probably. That's where history shows you. To me, the biggest hole and question mark is still that same spot. Who fills the top spot on the top line on the left wing? Now, remember what we were talking about with the Cardinals? How, okay, who's your shortstop? Who's your second baseman? Who's playing what outfield on a given night, right? Halfway through a season, they still don't have any of that answered, okay? This is the same thing. This is when I talked yesterday about similarities between the Blues and the Cardinals. This is one of them. The Blues constantly moved people around to try and fill the left side of their lineup, and they never really had it. Brandon Saad, you would say, should be one of those guys. You got him under contract for another three years, a perennial 20-goal score, right? But he played too many benign minutes last season. To my opinion, and this hasn't changed from last year, for the Blues to be a playoff team, Brandon Sod's on the left wing on your third line. I've said that as he well. Has I agree. Sliny, he is sliding up the lineup when you need it. 
Okay. So what does that leave you? Robert Thomas is your number one center. There's a reason you did not go out and re-sign Ryan O'Reilly. And in my opinion, the only reason that I can justify not going out and re-signing Ryan O'Reilly, especially for the numbers that he signed in Nashville, is because you want Robert Thomas to be that guy. You're not even giving Craig Berube the option of putting Ryan O'Reilly out there. Remember the start of last season. They did it at the beginning of the year. And when the Blues struggled mightily, they eventually switched back and gave the team kind of back to the veterans instead of Thomas and Cairo. All of a sudden, O'Reilly, who was way down on the chart in terms of face-offs and ice time and key spots, he was getting those key spots, getting that ice time, and Ryan O'Reilly got back and then notice how the team game followed. All right? This time you don't have that option. It's gotta be it's it's gotta be Robert Thomas. Doug Armstrong said, We're turning the page. We may want him back. He's a terrific player. Wish like all hell he was back. That's me saying that. But it's clear the Blues said, no, we are turning the page. We're in this two- to three-year readjustment that Doug Armstrong has put into place, and he's sticking to it. But Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, if you assume, are your top. So Thomas at center, Cairo on the left. I don't know who is on the or Cairo on the right. I don't know who's on the left there. Your next line, Braden Shen with Kapanen and Busnevich. All right? Maybe Busnevich slides up to that top line. All right? Your third line, Hayes. Blay and Verana on your on your third line. The fourth line, you've got a problem. You don't have a centerman. I don't know that Oscar Sundquist is that centerman, but he could. He could be. All right, so if Oscar Sundquist, let's just say for right now that Oscar Sundquist... And, and by the way, let me tell everybody quickly how this works. You get the reports that come out from Elliot Friedman that the Blues have signed him. Uh, you'll hear, you know, Jeremy Rutherford will say, hey, I've got it confirmed, that kind of thing. The reason you, have, you don't see a release from a team quite as quick, is when a team signs a player, they have to register that contract with the National Hockey League. The National Hockey League has to look at the contract. They've got to do the math. They've got to make sure that every aspect of that contract fits within the parameters of the CBA, fits within the parameters of the salary cap, and and the rules that go along with that. Once the contract gets registered, that's when a team will put out an official release. So that's why through agents, through players, through league sources that tell, you know, the, the Elliot Friedmans and the, the other, uh, you know, great reporters around the league, you know, what's going on. All right. That's why you'll see it there before a team will release us. The team has a process. The team cannot put out an official release until they get the official word that the contract has been registered with the league and those processes have gone through. That's kind of why. You see when when it breaks of a trade or a player signing. That's why you'll see it break from so many different sources before a team actually lets it out. All right, but going back to that. So here's your fourth-line situation. Now, I didn't say Jake Neighbors. I don't know where Jake Neighbors is going to be in the lineup just yet. Mackenzie McEachern. I know they signed him to a two-year one-way deal. He's still got to make the team. Because I'm not, I'm not concerned about the one-way deal. The Blues put him on waivers and nobody picks him up. You're paying him. You know, the league minimum to play in in the minor leagues. Nathan Walker, another one-way deal, same situation. Alexi Toropchenko is going to be on this team. All right? If Alexi Toropchenko is making the strides next, he's somewhere on your third line. All right? Nikita Alexandrov is, is another one. By the way, if you go look, and per cap friendly, if you look, of all the players that are currently signed that are going to be playing in Springfield are your depth guys like a Nikita Alexandrov. Only Zach Dean and Zach Bolduc, those are the only two forwards in the Blues organization not on the NHL roster 
that are actually under contract beyond next season. All the rest of them, all the rest of them are RFAs or a couple other guys are UFAs. So he, so here's what ends up happening with the with the Blues forward group. Nikita Alexandrov is going to compete for a spot, and he's probably at the point he's earned it. Alexei Toropchenko is going to get a spot. If Alexei Toropchenko is doing what he is supposed to do and becoming the player, you're really happy with him on the third line, or you're going to have a really good fourth line. All right? Where does Nathan Walker and Mackenzie McEachern fit in this? Mackenzie McEachern is going to have to come in, and he's going to have to hit like a torpedo. He's going to have to check. If Mackenzie McEachern is playing by nine minutes, no good. Doesn't do you any good. All right. So he's good. Mackenzie McEachern, who got called up by Carolina and played well when he got called up. Are you a full time NHLer? Are you ready to start, you know, to really play that way and make sure nobody sends you? You've tasted a win. You've tasted a cup. Now it's time to stick. They're giving you that opportunity. Jake Neighbors. Does Jake Neighbors jump up to the second line with a Braden Shen? And a, and a Kasperi, I think I said Sammy Kapanen maybe earlier, and a Kasperi Kapanen, right? Sammy, by the way, being Kasperi's dad. If that, so the, the, the intriguing part about the Blues forward standpoint, going into training camp, the storylines to look for, which young guy forces a player up or down the lineup? Does Jake Neighbors force Butch Navich up to the top line with Thomas and Cairo? and then find a, a, a role in the top six. Does that allow you to keep Brandon Saad on the third line, get good minutes there, and then really focus on penalty killing? Oscar Sundquist, if he's healthy, he's going to be really good on the penalty kill. That signing is as much about the penalty kill as it is about you know needing somebody at, at center on a, on a fourth-line situation. Do you get surprised? Does a Dvorsky come in and do what Robert Thomas did, do what David Perron did, and do what, what Robbie Fabry did? Can he make the team as a young guy? I was going to yeah. ask the same thing about Zach Dean, too. Maybe. I, I just get the sense that they could, but Zach Dean and Zach Bolduke are going to have to come in and force somebody out. Okay? And now you have to go to this as well. You're not – I don't know that you are pulling in a Zach Bolduke to force out Mackenzie McEachern, to force out a Nathan Walker, to force out an Alexandrov. You're not, you don't, he's not coming in to force out a fourth liner. Frankly, he's not coming in to force out a third liner. This isn't, you are not as deep as you were in 2019 where Robert Thomas can play um, in that third line role, flanked with two amazing veterans of Bozak and Maroon. This isn't that same team. The only way Zach Bolduc breaks camp, in my opinion, with the St. Louis Blues is he has filled that hole that I told you about. That left wing on the first line or the second line. He's forced somebody out of that spot. Otherwise, he's got to go down to the minors. He's got to play well down there. He's got to play 22 to 25 minutes a game. Top penalty power play minutes. Maybe even getting some penalty kill time. Top line minutes. Learn to be a pro down there. And, and, and you're okay with that. You're okay. If that takes a half a season, if that takes a full season, you're fine with it. And and to me, so the Zach Dean one, if he's coming in more to become like he told you, Grant, when you did the interview with him, about more like a a a, a Barbashev, that might be a player that could force somebody out on one of those lines. That's why. See. Yeah, that's why I found Zach Dean so intriguing because he does kind of fit that role, you know. 
So, but but he'll have to force one of those other guys out. We'll take a break when we come back. So th- there you have it. I mean, that that's what's happening on the forward lines. Who takes one of the open spots? There's an open spot on the left wing on the top line or the second line. And that sends the whole position down or the whole rest of the forwards uh, kind of into place. All right. Said we'd do this when we come back. We'll have enough time to do it. What's the one thing? that has probably hampered the Blues in the last two seasons more than anything else. We'll hit on that as we wrap up this edition of the Balloon Party next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, we welcome you back into the Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN, brought to you by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Glad to have you with us. Tim McKernan on vacation. You got me for the next two days after this 10-15 tomorrow. Jake Neighbors, we are just talking about the forwards. Tomorrow we're going to get into the defense. There's a log jam on defense as well. Uh, we got some Cardinals. We got some City SC coming your way tomorrow as well. Stay tuned. Uh, BK and Ferrario coming up next. We'll have more of John Mozalock's interview with Martin Kilcoin on Fox 2 yesterday. Break that down a little bit more as well. All right, Grant, in, in our remaining few moments here, I threw this out there. I'm going to give you a hint. I said, what, what do you think is the one thing that's held the Blues back in the last two seasons? This thing is something that fans say, just give it to the players. It doesn't matter. What do you think it is? Oh, I know what you're going with. No movement clause. Boom. All right. So you're exactly right. No movement clauses and no trade clauses. All right. We know where Doug Armstrong sits on the no movement clauses. He doesn't give them. All right. We And that was the real hot-button topic with Alex Petrangelo. And fans say, well, you should have just given it to him. And maybe you should have. All right. Uh, this Blues team would be very different if Alex Petrangelo was here. Not being maybe aggressive enough to keep him was, was a major flaw. But here's why I say that's the number one thing that's held this team back. That or the no-trade clause. You say, well, just give it. Well, Doug Armstrong says, I don't have a problem giving a player a no-trade clause, you know, because we eventually either find a way to move him or you can waive him. That's the biggest difference. A no-movement clause means you can't put a player on waivers. Or in an expansion year, you cannot expose him to the expansion draft. So he would have to take a a spot of somebody you protect. But Vladimir Tarasenko requests a trade. He's got a full no-trade clause. He goes to the team and says, I request a trade. I'll give you the teams I want to be traded to. The team says, no, that's not how this works. If you're coming to me requesting a trade, I can trade you to any one of the teams. But in the end, it truly is how it works because he can hold his contract and say, okay, you want to trade me to this team? No, I don't want to go. You, know, you you want to trade me to Minnesota? No, I don't want to go. You you want to trade me to, you know to, to Winnipeg? No, I don't want to go. And and Vladimir Tarasenko has a right. You gave him that right. But that no trade clause, along with you know just not getting what you felt was value, prevented the Blues from moving Vladimir Tarasenko sooner. They had the one good year, eighty two points. Keeping Tarasenko in the last season to me was a major flaw. I think it impacted the chemistry of the team. I think it impacted the personality of the team. Um, and I think in the end, keeping Tarasenko was one of the reasons the team had the slide that they had that eventually led to making the decisions of, okay, now we're trading Barbashev, now we're trading O'Reilly, and boom, boom, boom. I think eventually when a player wants out, you got to get him out. you got to get him out. 
And and I think it was very clear to me last year that he needed to be gone. Um, look at the fact that he hasn't signed somewhere yet. That tells you something, okay? Look at the rumors that went around with the Kevin Hayes trade, and it was going to be a bigger deal. Maybe Sanheim coming back, um, and and you have to ask a player, is it Tory Krug to waive his no-trade clause? If you're Tory Krug, why would you want to go to Philly? Why do you want to go to a team that you know is in a longer rebuild than you're in? Okay? Um, and, and go through that. You, you if, if you're asking a player to waive his no-trade clause to a team that's got and, – and to a team that, that's that's – that's going to contend. That's a different story. But in the end, the ability to maneuver some roster changes, the ability to make some changes you wanted to do, the ability to make some adjustments were hampered by no trade clauses. These are being given out like Tic Tacs all around the league, and they are really hampering teams' abilities to make some deals. All right? So for those that are out there saying, just give it. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal until it becomes a big deal when you need to make some roster changes. So speaking of, you know, a guy saying, no, I'm not going to waive my no trade clause on defense. Blues of a log jam on defense. We'll get into that tomorrow as we get into a lot more hockey. Grant, thank you very much. Nice job. Coming up, BK and Ferrario is coming up next as uh, we'll be back tomorrow. More hockey, some Cardinals, City SC. Enjoy the soccer games tonight. We'll be back tomorrow on the Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.